Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. Hey everybody, it's Dave here, and momentarily we will have Flip on the screen as well. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only... Flip Mazze. This is never going to get old. (laughs) This is never going to get old, man. I love it. Happy to be on. What's up, guys? I need one for Nick, though. I need Nick to find him one. I don't know if there's any smart Brainiac lawyer music out there that'll get everybody pumped up, but we need to find some. Nick, Nick, (laughs) you let me know your genre, man. We'll find you something. I feel like I could go with some Kesha. I know it's not what you might some expect, Kesha. but you know, if I if I did like some walk-up songs, it would definitely be some Kesha. <laughs> All right. We'll get you some Kesha for the next episode. <laughs> we'll see about the licensing there. Might be tricky. <laughs> hey, well, I say to hey to everybody. As a lawyer, I gotta I gotta, you know, gotta get that in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you do. I'll say hey to everybody that's joined us so far. Clifford, Evan, Mike, Mary, Jerome. Welcome to up, the y'all? show. We had to do a last-minute change. Jason was supposed to be sitting right here, but he couldn't make it due to a last-minute sort of uh, thing that came up. So we're going to do it now. And our topic tonight is the signing of Patrick Peterson. Before Nick gets into his breakdown, Flip, what did you think of that? Oh, about the Patrick Peterson signing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I, I am as eager to learn from Nick as the rest of us are. He's definitely done way more research into Patrick Peterson than anybody on the internet. So this is going <laughs> to be a great little, great little show we have here. For me, uh, Pat Pete. I love the signing. I'll keep it short and say that I think a lot of the value he provides is not in the numbers, is not uh, necessarily on the field, but kind of the mentorship role player, the veteran DB that Mike Zimmer has always been so good at having on the football team. The Terrence Newman type. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's a little – I actually think I'd compare him more to like a Captain Munnerlyn. Uh, in, in terms of veteran presence than a, a Terrence Newman, but yes, in that mold. Okay. Nick, you ready for me to start roll the f- tape? Yeah, I'm ready to rock. Let's do this. Folks, this is Nick breaking down Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson came into the league as the fifth overall pick in 2011 after weighing in at 219 pounds and running a 4.31 second 40-yard dash. Just an elite combination of size and speed. And that's why for nearly a decade, he was the prototype of a shutdown press man cover corner. Fast forward 10 years to today, and he's no longer the same spring chicken with that 4.31 second speed, and it's starting to show a little bit. Last year, Peterson shadowed DK Metcalf over two games, over 80% of his routes, and you've seen the pictures of DK Metcalf. He's a big dude. He ran a 4.33 second 40-yard dash himself, and that difference in speed can get Peterson into trouble sometimes, as we'll see here. Offense, number 68, 
It's a 40-yard fade route. It's called back on penalty, but the end result isn't pretty for Peterson. Uh, we'll see here. It's cover one. It's it's man coverage across the board. You got the single high safety shaded to the boundary. So Peterson's really on an island here against Metcalf, and he's patient with his stutter step release, but he gets into a little bit of trouble here once Metcalf gives him that little shoulder head fake, and then it's off to the races. And at Peterson's age, those aren't going to be races that Peterson's going to be winning against DK Metcalf. You know, they say if you're even, you're leaving, and here Metcalf is really leaving, and the end result is Peterson burnt for a deep reception. But, but don't go and say that, that Peterson is washed just because one time he got burnt by DK Metcalf. Peterson has ways of, of keeping up with these kinds of receivers. Boom. Turn to the Alt-22, see how that happens. So we've got cover zero here. It's third and five. It's man coverage across the board. No safety help. Mono a mano on the outside. It's another fade route versus DK Metcalf. But this time around... See that arm bar? Peterson's able to get his hands on the receiver and able to jam them to the boundary, able to slow them down, able to use his physicality. So long as Peterson can keep his hands on the receiver, can get physical in the routes, he's got a fighting chance. He's, you know, he's no longer got the speed, but with his physicality, he can make the other receiver as fast as he is or as slow as he is. And the end result is he's able to stay on top of this route for the interception in the end zone. He's no longer prime Darrell Rivas, but with a little bit of help, he can maybe be a version of a veteran Richard Sherman. And that's wow. the breakdown. What'd you think? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, well, that's just... I, yeah. Well, go ahead, Flip. Oh, I was going to say, I, I nail on the head, Nick. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, the when, I, when we first signed Patrick Peterson, my thoughts were $8 million or $10 million for a guy who, who might be washed. I'm not... I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that's the best allocation of resources. Um, and as I dove into his tape, I watched every coverage snap from last year. I watched most of his coverage snaps from the year before. Um, I really dove into his 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 um, his tape, and, and I came away thinking, you know, yes, there's a lot of things that he can't do anymore. Um, you know, it's funny because 30 years old isn't actually that old for a cornerback in the NFL. Like Terrence Newman played till he was 38. And when Peter when Peterson did his like signing press conference, he listed out like Deion Sanders, who played well into his 30s, Leon Hall, Jonathan Joseph, all these guys who played like past 34, at least all of them. So like <laughs> you wouldn't think like he's not like, I don't know, he's not like on his last legs or anything. But that said, he's. He's always been a cornerback who relies heavily on his athleticism and being kind of able to out-athlete the guy across from him. Kind of like in the same way that like a super athletic left tackle can be like a special talent just because like usually it's the edge defenders who are the best athletes on the field. But when you've got a really athletic tackle, then all of a sudden it's like a much different playing field. So for a lot of his careers, he was just he's this dude who ran a 4-3-1 second 40-yard dash, had elite agility numbers, jumps. Um, and did it all while weighing like 99th percentile for weight. And he's like 6'1". He's got, I think, 32-inch arms. So he's just like, you know, built in a lab, cornerback prospect. Um, and for a long time, that's kind of what made him so good. And now, um, with, just with that clip, you see he's kind of lost a step. It's not, um, you know, he's not the slowest dude on the field or anything. Uh, I'd say he's probably still has probably like a 4'5", 40-yard dash, maybe a little faster than that, depending on the day. 
Um, he was kind of able to blanket Michael Gallup in the Cowboys game last year. Um, but against like Terry McLaurin, he had more, more issues. So his speed is more, is, is declining a little bit, but you see there, he's still got ways to, to work around it. So um, more concerning for me is he, he's, he's a lot less quick and like the stop start quickness is, is pretty poor. I would say at this point, and his closing burst is pretty poor at this point. He makes up for it with good anticipation. He's, unbelievable at anticipating routes at this point um he can kind of see things happening before they even happen and he's he has a lot of reps where he's mirroring mirroring guys in coverage and it just looks like you know like a synchronized swimmer or something like they run the same route but he's just like two 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 steps upfield or something so he's a really interesting tape study because there are things that he's not good at anymore just flat out he can't do this anymore um and he plays the kind of kind of coverage where you worry about can he keep this up? How long can he, will this still work? Is he still trying to be, uh, you know, the, the, the Stefan Gilmore, the, the Darrell Revis, just like shut you down in man coverage. That's really tough to do if you're no longer an elite athlete. Um, and so you wonder like, how do you make this work? Because he's got things that he's bad at and things that he's really good at. And I, that I think is the most interesting type of player to analyze because it, it begs the question, how do you go about fixing this player? How do you, put him into situations where he can only do the stuff he's really good at. And he's not forced to do any of the stuff he's bad at. Cause last year with the Cardinals, he was forced to do a lot of things that he's just, he's just not good at anymore. Um, and so it's, it's a really interesting, um, it'll be really interesting to see how Mike Zimmer fits Peterson into this defense and how good he can be with Zimmer. Who's so good at knowing scheming around players and, and asking them only as much, um, as, as they, they can bite off, um, you know, like, like take Xavier Rhodes, like when he was first starting out, um, he had a lot of penalties. They, they played him more off. They, but then in like 2017 in his prime, they asked about as much of him as any cornerback in the NFL. He would shadow the Odell Beckhams. He would shadow whoever in and out of the slot even. Um, and just like, no, he would roll, he would play single high coverage, you know, so there's only one safety upfield and he would typically roll them away. So it was kind of like Xavier Rhodes versus the world back then in 2017. And then once Rhodes started to lose a little bit of a step, it was more cover four. So, and, and, you know, he had a little bit more safety help. He was able to pass off routes inside. Um, but, you know, he wasn't in like the doghouse or anything. And then in the, in like, Last year, when we had cornerbacks who were either banged up or street free agents or waiver claims or, um, you know, Gladney and Dantzler, I think both did impressive for rookies, but they were still rookies. We played a lot of cover, too, which is like that's like the bunny slopes of coverages. It's, it's you've got two safeties back. You've got zone coverages on the inside. You're kind of only you have this tiny little box to cover. And that's all you have to do. And it, it's 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 very um, that's not to say it's like an easy job still, but it's a lot easier than like cover zero cover one type stuff that the Cardinals were doing last year with Patrick Peterson. So uh, it's, it's just going to be really interesting to see what Zimmer does. And I've got this long form article coming out 3000 plus words with all my tape study uh, coming out later this week that will dive into how I think Zimmer can put Peterson in a position where he can really only do what he's, he thrives at and can hopefully hide away the, some of the limitations that Peterson has now. That's great. You know, Nick, you're already being called the GOAT. Already being called the GOAT in the comments, in-depth analysis. And hey, thank you for kind of giving us some of the uh, the insider opinion before the article comes out. I, I hope everyone who's listening to this goes ahead and reads that article as well. Uh, I've, I've got questions, though. Uh, and 
you know, it's kind of unfortunate that Jason isn't in the call because I'm going to ask some tough questions, going to ask some easy ones. But to start, the big <laughs> question I want to know is, who's the best cornerback on the Minnesota Vikings right now? Oh, man, that's a tough question. And it's what makes it so tough is that, like, there are certain traits where Peterson is easily the best on the roster, and there are certain traits where he's easily the worst, at least among the starting cornerbacks. I I don't know if I'd say Patrick Peterson is, like, uh, as bad as Chris Boyd, but um, there are definitely certain traits where um, I, I I don't know. I would say... Jeez, that's a tough question. I would say if they use him the right way, he will be the best cornerback on the roster. Um, but a lot of it, the other thing that makes it hard is there's a lot of things that Dantzler does really well, but Dantzler also has mm-hmm. some tough traits. Like he's such a twig and they, they, mm-hmm. I know everybody's so high on, on Dantzler and I am too. Um, but they didn't really ask a ton of him last year. And I think a lot of it, like his PFF grades, the thing about PFF grades uh, with cornerbacks, don't get me wrong, I, I think PFF is 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 great, but when it comes to cornerbacks, they kind of don't grade cor- a, a cornerback unless they're targeted. And so um, you wind up with these wonky situations where cornerbacks who don't have much asked of them wind up with really high grades and cornerbacks that have like the world asked of them because they're that good wind up with bad grades. And it's a little counterintuitive. Like in 2017, Xavier Rose was not one of the highest graded cornerbacks in the NFL. He was... He had like a solid grade, <laughs> that's because like, yeah, he was, he yeah. was, he was given the hardest job in the world. It's, you know, it's, it's like saying Daniil Hunter had a mediocre grade because he was going up against Trent Williams all game. It's like, no, you gotta have, gotta have in that context. So um, I would say if, if Zimmer uses Peterson smartly, and I think he will, he will continue to be the best cornerback on the roster. However, there are definite strong weaknesses in his game. And at the same time, I think Dantzler's not that far away from being like a, a really good cornerback. Um, he's got a lot of really good traits. Uh, he's he's never going to be the <laughs> – Patrick Peterson is more like your big physical guy, whereas Dantzler is more just like your your your, your lighter, um, softer, uh, more smothering nat type cornerback. And so I think they're both good at different things. But I would say, guessing right now, Peterson – uh, would not shock me if Peterson has another down year or Dantzler takes a leap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and I'm, I should uh, also say I'm, I'm really high on. <laughs> I just got to add as a postscript, I'm really high on Gladney. I'm probably yeah. I feel like a lot of people like forget about him. I think he has the traits to be the best cornerback on the roster. I just think he's a little bit farther mm-hmm. away and some things he has to work on. So, from what I'm okay, hearing, well, before ahead, you ask Nate. your question, from what I'm hearing. It's setting up to look like Peterson will play on one side, Dantzler will play on the other side, and Gladney will play the slot. Gladney has been best in the slot, and if he's only playing the slot, he should improve there. We know Dantzler improved as the season went on, and towards the end of the season was doing the man-on stuff that he wasn't at the beginning or early in the season. So he's going to be more your CB1, and that Peterson will be on the other side is basically your CB2, but they're not going to be strictly man-on type stuff. It's going to be the more zone stuff, and the only one that may do a man-on is Dantzler, from what I understand. And just keep it that way, because Peterson still should be good at shutting down and using that sideline 
that part of the field. Do you see anything different? Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. I think Peterson, it, at this point in his his career, is a pure boundary corner. Um, I think one of the worst things the Cardinals did last year was they asked Peterson to shadow. I mean, they were asking the world of him last year because that's what they've done for a decade. He's been, you know, the number one. He's been the prototypical press man cover corner, um, shadowing, you know, the elite all pro receivers up and down the field. But uh, given that, you know, especially that he lacks like that quickness when he's asked to shadow Terry McLaurin or Stefan Diggs or, um, you know, any of these guys who can go into the slot and then really punish receivers with the two way goes with their route running, with their quickness. Um, that put Peterson in some real tough situations. And actually, um, Peterson had this unique you look at like his coverage statistics last year, he has this really unique profile where he was one of the least targeted cornerbacks in the NFL. I think of, of, of cornerbacks who played over 50% of snaps. He was the fifth least targeted cornerback in the entire NFL. That's like crazy good. That's like Jalen Ramsey good or Stefan Gilmore. Like those are the other guys up there. Um, you know, uh, 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 Jair Alexander. These, these are the kinds of guys who are, you know, all the other guys in that top five. But the problem is, when, when teams did target Patrick Peterson, he gave up uh, too many touchdowns. He gave up too many penalties. He was the most penalized guy on the field or in the, in the NFL last year. So, you know, he wasn't targeted often, but when QBs did pick on him, it did a lot of damage. And and a big part of that is, is you know, him being asked to carry guys into the slot. So this is a long-winded way of saying, I hope Zimmer doesn't make Peterson do any slot duty because he's not cut out for it anymore. Um, Peterson gave up five touchdowns last year, but four of them, all, all four of them came in the slot. So if you only look at his, his work as an outside corner, he'd actually had a pretty good year. I mean, he still, you know, gave up some deep DPIs. He still gave up some, some of those deep, like slot, those deep fades, like in the clip we showed at the beginning. Um, but on the whole, he was pretty good as an, as a boundary corner. All that's to say, um, I think it makes sense for him to play sides. The one thing I can see is I can see them having, Peterson shadow certain receivers. It feels like, um, and just listening to his presser, he's so into tape study. He's so into like diving into, you know, who is this one-on-one matchup? What are his tendencies? What can I pick up on? How can I, you know, like counter punch there? And, and I feel like he would do well, like, especially against like bigger, more physical X receivers. Like, I, I don't know, Kenny Galladay, who's out of the division, but, but like Alshon Jeffrey or, you know, some of these like prototypical X receivers, Michael Gallup, some of these guys who aren't the fastest in the NFL, but are big guys who I ne- wouldn't necessarily want Dantzler on. I feel like those are the kinds of guys that Peterson, it would make sense to have them travel um, to, uh, you know, across the boundary. I wouldn't have him travel into the slot, but I do think he benefits from shadow coverage. At the same time, I think for most games, they're going to have him play boundaries. And I feel like that, may, you know, that makes sense. So. Yeah, I think that's the heart of the question, because, you know, if if we don't have a clear number one, then that goes right into shadowing. And the the Vikings do have Devontae Adams on the on the schedule. They do have DK Metcalf. They do have DeAndre Hopkins. So it'll be really interesting to see just how Mike Zimmer schemes with his new cornerback room. Um. And, and, you know, you hear a lot about Patrick Peterson. I mean, the, the signing happened so quickly that there was just a ton of discussion of, of out boundary versus slot, uh, man corner versus zone corner, of, you know, cornerback versus safety even. So after watching the tape, Nick, did Patrick Peterson play safety last year? 
was he more of a man or a zone corner? And what and and what do you think the Vikings can learn from you know Patrick Peterson's twenty twenty? So last year with the Cardinals, the Cardinals ran cover one on about 50% of their snaps last year, which was among the most mm-hmm. in the NFL. Cover one being man coverage across the board, just one safety up top. Um, and Patrick Peterson was usually shadowing the other team's best receiver. So again, that's asking a ton of your cornerback. Um, and I feel like, but I feel like for the most part, if you don't put him in situations where um, he never has any safety help, so you're not gonna, he's not gonna get burnt downfield when he has more safety help, and you're not putting him into the slot. He he's up, he's still up for that job. I don't think he's solely like a cover two zone corner. I, I think he's, I think he can still do a lot of things. Now that said, the way that Zimmer plays his zones, there aren't, there aren't pure spot drop zones where you know it's like in Madden where guys just drop to that point and they just float there until somebody comes across into their zone. It's zone matching. Um, which is, you know, you try to get the best of both worlds, Hannah Montana style, where you're 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 playing man coverage until they go off, and at that point you pass it off. That's another thing that I feel like is an underrated way in which um, Peterson can do better in the Vikings defense as opposed to the Cardinals defense. Is <laughs> watching Peterson last year. I'm sorry, but a lot of these Cardinals defenders were just not very good, and they didn't communicate well. well. That like, was my like next Peterson question, was- man. <laughs> yeah, but like Peterson's like a very active communicator. You see him pointing out, you see him like calling out plays as they come out. You can you can really see the way he's working and communicating. But like there were a lot of times, I don't know who 58 is on the on the Cardinals defense, but that linebacker is, is trash. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Peterson would like pass off a route to the inside, out. and the guy would be like turning around, being like, Oh, oops, sorry, that just went for 20. That slant just went for 20 yards. Um so there's, 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 and to be, and interestingly, that's, a, I think, one of the big reasons that Terrence Newman um, did so much better. Like when Terrence Newman was cut by the Cowboys in 2011, he was about to turn 34 and he was coming off a real bad year and he got cut. And it was, you know, it was, that was in Rob Ryan's scheme in 2011 with the Cowboys, very complex, very man heavy. I mean, it wasn't cover one, but it was, you know, it was a lot of, it was asking a lot of stuff of Newman and it was a defense that was so complicated and so blitz heavy. There wasn't really much of an ability to pass off routes on to the inside. Then he goes to the Bengals in, in 2012, signed for basically vet minimum and really, really bounces back. And from there it's, it's apparent this guy can still play in the league and he played for like another five years. So I, I feel like, being able to pass off routes not to 58 on the Cardinals, but to Eric Hendricks or to mm-hmm. to Jeff Gladney, Harrison Smith, you know, that's going to be, I would hope, uh, something that will really help him improve because as as a he can still be a really good press man corner, but I worry about him. I worry about him, especially like carrying like deep dig routes to the inside. Um, you don't have to worry about that in cover four you, you know, or like a, a slant route across the field. You don't have to worry about that if it's cover three, cover four or something where you can pass it off to the linebacker. And so I really feel like there's a lot of just scheme schematic meshes with between what Patrick Peterson doesn't do well and what Mike Zimmer um, keeps his, you know, ass of his cornerback so that they're not put in bad positions. So I'm hopeful that this, <laughs> it can all work out. Uh, you know, all that said, he's 30 years old. He's already losing a step. There's no guarantee he's going to be good uh, or, or better next year. And there's also no guarantee that like what I think Zimmer will do is what Zimmer actually does. So um, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's always a big question mark when somebody comes to a new team, but you can really see this working out with, between the rest of the Vikings defense and the things that Peterson still does well. 
Sorry, that was like a 10-minute answer to like a one-sentence no, question. That was great. Jordan, Jordan Hicks getting mad shade. Shade from Nick. Is that, is that, Jordan, is that Jordan Hicks? I, I kind of like not, Jordan Hicks, but... Not a good look for Jordan Hicks here. Oh, yeah. On, I'm sorry, Jordan huddle. Hicks. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you sucked last year, man. <laughs> well... See, I envision that too, that Zimmer's going to use him to the maximum. He's going to maximize the defense. He generally does. Now, with the getting the two nose tackles by signing Tomlinson, that points to a change in strategy doing the two nose thing, the double nose on defense. And generally with that, you go to the two high. So he should have the safeties back there, which will be Harrison Smith and whoever, Jocelyn Tillis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got some comments asking about Patrick Peterson's ball skills. How did he look last oh, year? Oh, man. That's easily the best thing about his game are his ball skills. It's like insane. Uh, not only just physically with between how big he is, how long his arms are, you know, he's six, one 32 inch arms. He's huge for a cornerback. Um, and he, I don't know if he's still playing at his, his, his drafted weight of two nineteen. I think I saw on the Vikings roster that he might've slimmed down a little bit, but like he's between his ability to mirror his ability to anticipate routes. You know, he may have lost a step, but after 10 years in the NFL, he's so good at like just knowing what route is coming. He has he has these crazy interceptions. There was one interception against the Bills last year where he wasn't cover one shadowing Stefan Diggs, but he saw that Diggs was running like a, it was a dagger concept. So Diggs was running um, like a, a, a deep dig route. So, you know, run, run 12, 12 yards downfield and cut across the middle of the field. Um, and then the opposite receiver is running a post route. So uh, on the other side of the field, let me see if I can get this within the webcam you got you got digs running. See if I do this the right way. This the square end. <laughs> you got it's the mirror. It's, it's the mirror screen. John Brown or whatever running the post route, and it it creates this high low um, conflict for the single high safety. And and Peterson had eye he, he had eyes on the back of that. He's playing man coverage, so he's not really watching the quarterback, but he just sees digs, and he can tell that it's a dagger concept, and so he just he stops covering digs. And he just floats up to where the post route is and he intercepts the ball because like, it's like he was playing the route blind and he just saw it. Boom. I know where this ball is going. So he, he really knows where, where the ball is going to wind up. He's really smart at anticipating the rate breaks and routes. And, you know, throughout his entire career, he's just been so good at getting his hand on the ball and breaking passes up and, and, and forcing interceptions. If you want to watch one game, I would, I would watch him shadowing Odell Beckham at the end of last year. He came away, I think, with two interceptions and two pass breakups in that game. So we're talking about somebody who's a really, really elite ball. You know, he'll he'll get his hand on the ball if you throw the ball at him. Most quarterbacks don't generally. Like I said, he's one of the, one of the least cor- targeted cornerbacks in the NFL last year. But when they do, chances are he'll get he'll he'll get his hands on the ball. Mm-hmm. Great, great. We got a we got another Viking Jerome asking. Do you see Patrick Peterson? getting down and into the backfield on some blitzes. Is he, is he good in blitzing situations? Yeah, they do use him. I mean, they used him sparingly. I think the Cardinals did, and they probably, I'm guessing used him a little bit more earlier in his career at this point. um, I don't think it's the best use of his skills. 
Um, one, because he's going to be a boundary corner. So he's got a little longer um, path to the cornerback quarterback. Usually right. when you see like a cornerback blitz, it'll be the nickel coming in because, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not that far off from like a, um, a wide set defensive end. Um, you know, he's, he's got some advantage. He's long. He can tell when the ball is going to come out and he knows the kind of like the, the, the slot and the angle. And so he'll, he could, he can rack up pass breakups if you did it enough. Um, but I would say, um, of all the athletic abilities to decline, the speed is, is a little worse. The quickness is a medium bit worse and his burst is like dramatically worse. So, um, just Mm -hmm. like that, that instant acceleration, I, you want you want to to get pressure on the quarterback. You really want to emphasize explosiveness. You know, like the Vikings always want look are looking at guys with big broad jumps, like high vertical jumps, people who can really explode out of, out of their stance to the quarterback. At this point, that's not Patrick Peterson. That's another reason why I like him a little bit more in press man coverage as opposed to off zone coverage because I feel like, um, you know, if you're having him cap routes and he runs like a eight yard curl or something, he's going to take us a, a second. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. <laughs> nice of you to, to drop by. <laughs> the Godfather drops in with the bomb. <laughs> uh, all, that, all that to say, you know, his closing burst isn't great from off coverage. It's It also wouldn't be great in blitzing situations. So I wouldn't have him blitz. Um, not that he would be terrible at it, but I just think that's not putting him in the situation where he can, you know, be put in the very best situations. Makes okay. Sense. How is, and I think tackling? Jeff is really good at it. So, yeah. How is his tackling? <laughs> uh, you know, when he wants to, which is an important <laughs> qualification, it's good. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> makes a few business decisions at this point. Like Teddy Bridgewater had a scrambling touchdown. I don't know if any of y'all remember that one. But Patrick Peterson kind of came in from the outside and like ran up to it and then just like kind of saw that Teddy was was being tackled into the end zone and just like stepped off. So, you know, he he's got a few business decisions, but he's smart about it. You know, he's not going to needlessly throw himself into dog piles. Um, and when he's like one on one in coverage, he's not going to abandon his assignment or anything. Um, fundamentally, fundamentally, he's like a he's like a technically sound tackler. Um, I don't think um, he's going to necessarily have a lot of missed tackles or anything, um, but there, there are definitely points where he's he declines the opportunity to get physical when it comes to, to tackling. And honestly, I'm okay with that. You, you know, when you're 31 years old, there's more injury risk. Um, it kind of makes sense. Right, but we'll see what Mike Zimmer does with that because that is <laughs> – <laughs> that's one of Mike Zimmer's main main ask for the corner position. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, yeah I'll say it's not like all over his tape, but it's just a couple right. instances where it's just obvious. There. And you're like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing there. I don't blame you. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> uh, Matt, questions. I already Good asked question, that question. I, I'm loving this audience, you know, Q and A. You like keep these. Questions oh yeah, coming. the Q and A is great. And yeah, Matt, and- you're you're obligated now to go back and watch because we did kind of cover this. But the short answer is, if they use Peterson the way I I hope they will, I think he'll be the 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 CB one, the guy who's who's probably shadowing guys. I think he's more suited to do that. That said, I think Peter, there's a good chance Peterson drops off even more, and there's a good chance that Dantzler has a huge breakout year. So um, tough to say confidently, but if I have to hedge my bets, I'd say Peterson. Note note that Matt also did not mention Jeff Gladney as possible CB1, Nick. So 
So I guess it's, it's just a two-man race. Flander will not stand. No, no one, no one wants to throw Mike Hughes in the conversation. No, well, nobody. Nick, Viking Jerome one... is very much into Mike Hughes and is wondering if Peterson That's... can mentor him and bring him to the point he needs to be. We drafted him in the yeah. first round. We expect him to be a starter. Can Peterson up his game enough that it would make it interesting if he stays healthy? Yeah, that if he stays healthy is doing most of the legwork there. Um, and that was kind of one of the downsides to having to go out and spend $10 million on a on a cornerback is it, it means that the team probably isn't thinking much of Mike Hughes at this point. You know, you probably wouldn't go out and spend all this money on a starting cornerback if you were confident that Mike Hughes would be in a position to, to start next year. So that's a little disappointing. But, you know, if he gets healthy, you know, I, I thought Mike Hughes was like a really good player, had some really good potential, really good prospect. Um, and definitely this is a, such a young cornerback group. You know, they're all on rookie contracts pretty much other than Patrick Peterson. Um, they're all like, you know, glad he's a little bit on the older edge for, for uh, I guess, a sophomore now. But like they're they're all under 25. So having that veteran presence, I think, will help a lot. And also like a lot of what Peterson does is teach tape, like his 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 press bail technique, his press man technique, his jamming, um, his shuffle steps, uh, his speed turns, his zone turns, just a lot of the footwork. Um, I, th- I think the players will learn a lot just by like, seeing I, you know it's the same thing with like Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen I feel like I feel like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen have similar games and I feel like Jefferson learned a lot from having uh <laughs> Jefferson learned a lot from from seeing Thielen up close and kind of just being able to osmosis all the things that that Thielen does well so I'm I'm hopeful that that will rub off a little bit on the young corners at the same time I think they're bringing him into play and not to coach and I think he can play Good. I love that I love that. I, I saw another article on Sports Illustrated saying that the Vikings still might draft a cornerback. And it to me, it's like, what are we what are we doing here? We're going to we we need a we need a fifth corner. So we'll see. But, well, you but know, that's interesting. I was talking to some friends about that today. I, you know, don't don't kill me, but I would not mind if they drafted a cornerback in the first round. Like like Peterson is is on a one-year deal, you know, this is kind of like a Sheldon Richardson. I'm sorry, Cliff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't shoot the messenger, but, but the question is, can he play guard? (laughs) No, he cannot play guard. Why are you drafting a corner? But he's not that can't play guard. I mean, if the corner can play guard, then sure. You can find guards in the third, fourth round. You can't find good cornerbacks in, in like the third, fourth rounds. So, and it's a premium position. They have two good ones, but you need three in today's NFL. And and all the good ones go early. So, so I would get it if they do it. I know most fans would not love it because they have so many other needs. But first round is really about premium positions. It's quarterbacks. It's tackles. It's 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 cornerbacks. It's those guys. Receiver. It's edge defenders. Receiver. Um, I feel like, but you can find good receivers in like the second, third rounds like that of all the positions. That's one where you can really find studs later on. Um, So I don't mind drafting receivers in the first. It obviously worked out with Justin Jefferson. I would be happy with more Justin Jefferson's on this football team. Um, But, you know, cornerback, I feel like, especially outside cornerbacks, they're such a premium position. And like, think of all the good ones that have come out. They're like all first rounders, you know, we're like. I see um, y'all in the comments. I disagree with all (laughs) y'all. 
I disagree with tackle. Well, it, it's so. um, you, you know, I think the comment is true. Yeah, you do need three, four good corners. If if the Vikings, I don't want to see they... Cordea Tankersley out at cornerback being like, who is number forty-two? I have never seen this guy in my life. I get paid if, to if... cover the Vikings. I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> I don't want to see that next year. So. If the Vikings can't say they have three good corners right now, then what are they even doing? Because two, you're basically saying that two of those corners that are not good corners, they're former first-round corners. So the Vikings have to have three good corners right you now. You hope for four. And if, they, and if they don't, that's previous draft failure. So you're trying to make up this draft for guys that you've already failed on. And guess what? When you fail in the first round, no matter what you do, that's two to three-year repercussions. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no there's no world in which drafting a stud corner now makes up for Jeff Gladney next year because Jeff Gladney is still going to be on the team for three, four years. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's, you know, injuries happen. I, I don't know. It sucks, but yeah. Um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to bringing in to like upgrading the defensive tackle position just because Sharif Floyd had that weird, weird surgery and, and was no longer able to play, uh, you, you know, Sometimes you draft, you get lucky with draft packs, and sometimes you get unlucky. But you know, that's a right, yeah. If you if you think the offense is good enough, sure. If you if you think that corner is more important than what we have a safety, sure. I, I agree that if you think corner is still a need, the first round is is a good spot to address that need. For me, it's just like, come on, like if if you think corner is a need, and then you sign a corner. You can't come back and still tell me that corner is a need. Yep, fair enough. So, Flip, which positions would you want to target with that first rounder? Assume we stay put. What are the premium first round positions? Well, I, I, you know, the the grand scheme of things here is the Vikings have boxed themselves into a hole um, where offensive tackle is probably the only position of of both need and value that makes sense in the first round. Now, 90% of fans and analysts and experts you talk to see the Vikings trading down in the first round. I know that Mel Kuyper mock draft had the Vikings trading up to get Panay Sewell, but it's, it's offensive tackle. Number one, it's not guard. I still think they need to sign a guard. It's offensive tackle. Number one, for me, it's wide receiver. Number two, and outside of that, maybe you could you could talk me into a mid-round edge or mid-round safety. But the defensive prioritization is really cool and it's really fun. And Tomlinson and Peterson have been two really fun signings and signings. And I think there's there's other DBs in the draft that would be really fun for the defense. Ultimately, the Vikings. Um, you know they they were they they were the 11th best scoring offense in the league and i don't think anyone can tell you right now that they expect the offense to be better than it was in 2020 you don't fix you don't 2021 is not about fixing 2020's problems because we're not playing 2020 again we're playing a brand new year so we need to prepare for the best version of we, what we need to be for 2021 Seth, I agree with you. They still have some cap space and the ability to make more, and we may see some free agent moves yet here in the next couple of weeks. 
It could be for a tackle. There's the trade talk of Orlando Brown, which would make my day. Uh, that's been put on hold. There's other tackles and guards out there that could help the offensive line. But in a way, I agree with Flip that uh, emphasizing getting that offense back to better than it was last year and we're missing a left tackle and a left guard will help. We were fourth in yards, but if we can get to fourth overall or top five everywhere on the offensive statistics, I think our chances, even with a top defense, are better to make that long run in the playoffs, and that's where we need to go. Disagree with me? Well, I I think we're at a very interesting point point in the off season where we can ask, and I don't know what the answer is. So Nick, I'll ask you, cause I like asking you tough questions. Uh, are you, are you more concerned about the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball at this moment in time? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, let me think. I would say it's tough because because they've got holes, they've got big holes on both sides of the ball. I would say the problem on mm-hmm. offense right now is they can't pass block, and the problem on defense is that they can't rush the passer. I mean, they have mm-hmm. Daniil Hunter, but it's it's him versus the world because the rest of the guys aren't bringing much to the table. Um, and you still got, I would say, the defense just because, you know, I like the cornerback group right now, but we still have questions around Gladney. I don't think Peterson, as much as I, I there's a lot to love in his tape, there's still a lot of question marks. Um, and we, we, we don't have a, a second safety, really. We have a guy who was didn't make <laughs> – when the final 53-man roster came out last September 1st or whatever last year, there were two safeties on the roster. The safeties in – like, the backup safeties were so bad that they didn't even have a, a second-string safety on the roster. And, yeah, like, eventually these guys, Josh Metellus, made it onto the roster. And maybe he's developed right. the same way that, you know, the other undrafted free agent safeties in Zimmer's lifetime have developed. But I just have a lot of questions about those guys. I, mean, and I know Zimmer, <laughs> I know Zimmer. you know, doesn't worry about safety. He can make even Anderson Dejo, blah, 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 look good. Um, but, but between the safety, some question marks still around the cornerback room, and the fact that we have no pass rush other than Daniil Hunter, I would say – all that combined concerns me more um, than the offense, where I think they still need to upgrade at wide receiver three. Um, Drew Samia can't possibly start again. Please don't make us watch that again. Um, Rashad Hill is not a starting quality tackle. Those are all problems, and I I, I, it, I hope they're not done. It seems like they're not. Like it, I don't know if you guys saw Barr's contract structure that came out today, yeah. but that's like a contract that screams, we're not done spending yet. So. I, I really feel like they're they're going to hopefully address some of these holes, but as things currently stand, I worry more about uh, the question marks in the secondary and the lack of pass rush than I worry about the question marks at left guard or whatever. Yeah, and I think that's a really fair answer for me. Again, I need to see it's twenty twenty one. I need to see a top ten scoring offense, and we did not have a top ten scoring offense it was last 11. year. Mm-hmm. It was eleven. So when you when you tell me that we haven't upgraded the offense at all, um, that concerns me more. It's it's to the point where at guard, like you, they can literally sign anybody. I think like they're saving it for when they need goodwill because no matter what they say, they could 
they could tell everyone that they cut Harrison Smith and then the next day sign like Austin Blythe to play guard and Vikings fans <laughs> would be like, okay, okay. You know, it's, it's that level of, of desire. We've got hit. We're trying to hypnotize them in the Twitter feed to, to address the position. So, so yeah, it should be I, I part guess. of the sales pitch really like, like sure. We can only pay you a bet minimum, but, you will literally be a household name in the state of Minnesota. Everyone will worship. They'll build you a statue simply because you don't give up 10 sacks a year. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you know, at the end of the day, what I always say is free agency in the offseason, that they inform fans of how the team views itself. And so when you, when you tell me that the Vikings sprinted out the gates in free agency – um, signed a big-time defensive tackle to fix their run defense, signed Patrick Peterson. You know, they still want to upgrade at safety. Um, that does not surprise me because of who our coach is and how, and how we've been built over the last six years. I mean, it's been a very defensive-focused build and then roll of the dice on offense. And so... Yeah, you know what? We could fix the defense and roll the dice and have Justin Jefferson stay elite and Kirk Cousins erase the bad month that he always has. And, you know, Dalvin Cook back there is a great weapon. And Irv Smith could step up into a premier tight end. And all those things could happen. But there's just a little too much uncertainty for me to say, you know what? Let's just build out the defense and roll. Yeah, and I like what Seth was just saying there. There's like a lot of a lot of contracts that come out like trickling out day to day now. Like everyone that comes out, I'm like, wow, that's really cheap. Um, like mm-hmm. like Kerry Hyder, like did the initial punchline that you know he's kind of like a five technique um, that just signed with Seattle, um, which incidentally means they might not be bringing back Dunlap, who I would like in Minnesota. But all that's to say, like all these contracts that are starting to trickle out now, they're like real bargains. Um, coming out. So I I agree. There's still some good guys out there. I still think they can patch up some of these holes. Um, There there are still good offensive linemen like Austin Blythe out there. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they stretch their pennies in the upcoming weeks. And virtually every guard that's out there was better than Samia and Dozier of last. (laughs) When you are dead last in the league, there are definitely a lot of guys who can be an upgrade. They, I just want to point out, they could have afforded Joe Thune based on what they've done after. Like, I think they they basically tried to bid for Joe Thune and then said, "Oh, we can't afford it." And then they created a bunch of cap space that would have made them be able to sign Joe Thune. So it's just, again, the mindset is is defense, and you know, it's just what it is. If Mike, Mike Zimmer is Frank Sinatra, he's gonna say, "Win or lose, at least he did it his way." Mm-hmm. And he's Amen, gonna Flip. do it his way until he gets fired. <laughs> and he'll still keep on doing it his day yeah. his way even after. Yep. He gets oh yeah, he'll but get fired in a heartbeat. It's it's Spielman too. Like Spielman is is team guards don't matter too. Like he's he's mm-hmm. constant like he'll invest in he'll yeah. invest money, he'll invest capital into the, the tackle position and given the scheme we run where, you know, in a power scheme, guards matter a little bit more. In a wide zone scheme, the center matters a little bit more because of the run blocking you're asking each of those to do in each scheme. But, like, <laughs> Spielman, his team guards don't matter. Like, he'll he'll spend, like, one of his 
11 seventh rounders on them. He'll he'll pick up some yeah. second tier, third tier, three agents, but he's not going to, you know, draft. Uh, I, I would be surprised for him to draft like a guard in the first round, just because that's not how he rolls. He's, he's, oh. if you ask Spielman, I think to say what's the least important position on offense, I'm pretty sure he would tell you guard. Mm-hmm. Are you cool with Rashad Hill starting? Uh, I would say Rashad Hill is an underrated backup swing tackle, but he is still a backup. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's gonna be fun it's setting up for a really fun draft i wish we had a little a few more picks but hopefully they can make that happen on draft day so they will i just wish those picks were higher second round hey hey we got we we got unique for a month so (laughs) (laughs) worth every penny (laughs) hey that's all i got nick seth you are correct Where's the solace of the rest of the division? Have the kiddies gotten better? We don't think so. They're starting to rebuild. The Bears. The Bears have made some absolutely odd choices yeah. everywhere. They're Andy Dalton cutting Kyle Fuller. Maybe maybe cutting Akeem Hicks. Uh, it's, it's it's ugly. And and the Packers have re-signed two people. One was a, a poor corner, and they're running back. Have they added anything more? Mm-mm. Nope. So, they just absolutely yeah. refuse yeah. to give Aaron Rodgers weapons. Don't, <laughs> I, I, I mean, where we are in the offseason, you know, I will say that we still got, we're still catching up to the Green Bay. We have done nothing to pass Green Bay from a roster oh. talent perspective. And you can throw me out for this, but. For where the Lions are in their build, I absolutely love what the Detroit Lions are doing. I think it's it's exactly where they need to be. Mm-hmm. So it may take them three Shout years. Out to Donnie. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I, I like the Lions are like tanking. They're like kind of pretty openly yeah. tanking, but I like what they're doing. Like every time I watch, I think Brad Holmes, the new GM, he's like really impressive. I like what they're doing. That said, they downgraded at quarterback. They got rid of Kenny Galladay. They're not going to be a good team next year. So right, it's you not can't a blame, you can't blame Steelman for trying to win the division when the competition is this bad. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I think the comment is more like com- that compared to a team that is kicking dead, dead cap money and voidable years into 2022, like the Vikings are. I, I think that Lions build compares or in contrast much differently to that where if we if we still don't win the division all of a sudden you know the lions are just one more year one more good off season away from competing and that's yeah. a future that none of us want no <laughs> they get once a decade that's it my whole lifetime the lions have been good once a decade no more <laughs> When were they good this last decade? Remind me. <laughs> uh, that they maybe do. It's been a while. Oh no, I just jinxed it. Well, it went, no, it was Stafford and Megatron. I think they won the division once. I don't remember that. No, but it would have been about that. ten years ago, nine or ten years ago. But anyways, with that, any last words there, Nick? And thanks for the great deep dive into Patrick Peterson. Yeah, I, I, I really like Patrick Peterson. He's he's such an interesting study. You can check out the article later this week on Zone Coverage for uh, my complete thoughts. But um, 
you know, this is this is their Sheldon Richardson signing. This is their ten million dollar splash signing that's gonna hopefully change the scheme of the change the look of the defense and really help out and really bring along the younger cornerbacks too. So I'm really excited to see what defensive guru Mike Zimmer does with them. Um, it's interesting to see the defense start to come together, and I'm really excited to see um, what kind of value signings the Vikings can get as free agency gets into the bargain bin phase. So um, it, it should be some interesting um, time as we head into the draft. Absolutely. Flip? I uh, know. Just can't can't thank Nick enough for that awesome breakdown. I think we went, what, 35, 40 minutes just on one player and one position group that type of depth is only possible when you've got Nick Olson and on the climbing the pocket network. So y'all keep on coming back. I love the comments and Nick, we gotta, we gotta watch some old games or something sometime and do this more often. Yeah, totally. Yeah, this is fun. This was awesome. And I do want to thank absolutely everybody that joined us tonight to watch live. You guys were awesome yourselves. We love the questions. And we'll see you again, same time, same channel, tomorrow night with a special guest on Vikings Happy Hour. And until then. Where's Jason? Where, y'all, if you're watching this, (laughs) y'all get at your boy Brown Jason on on Twitter. I don't know. This guy's going AWOL every other week at this point. We got to ask him what he's off to. Please. Until then, it's the end of March, Jason. It's it's absolutely prime time for Vikings. You have got no yeah. excuse at the end of March. With and everything we've got a whole on, month to get ready for the draft. <laughs> that means we're busy. So until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and by all means, skull Vikings. Skull Vikes. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Go, everybody.